You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 186. Uh, first things first, guys, before we get in here to the show this evening, look, all the messages, uh, texts, direct messages, you know, tweets, guys, everybody, thanks. Uh, yeah, had a great birthday weekend. Uh, you know, I, I plan to do a little bit more shows, uh, but when you got a wife and you got kids, they kind of put you in some plans that you aren't ready for. So, uh, normally on my birthday, look, I'm not a big celebratory guy. One day is good enough. I mean, I can make any day a holiday, but uh, it extended a little further than I wanted. Hope everybody had a great Easter, you know, Passover for everybody else. But look, at the end of the day, guys, it's 24 days away. 24. Uh, I see with each passing day, the timeline on Twitter gets a little more heated. Uh, guys, you know, look, you know, just just say no to Josh Allen. Friends don't lend friends, Josh Allen. Uh, but actually, I decided we'd go a little bit something, something different here this evening. Um, look, you know, we know the schedule. Obviously, we know our main opponents. So I figured we'll bring Pete Smith here this evening. And, you know, let's look at things a little bit from Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati side. And, you know, maybe some things that we hope to not see. But we're going to break down kind of the division rivals, see how they're going to play out this draft. And, uh, you know... Hopefully, you know, the, the gap is going to be not nearly, nearly as deep. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll get to the end of, you know, the 18th season and we'll start talking about being second rung, third rung, as opposed to fourth rung for the Browns fans. But Pete Smith, uh, Pete, uh, how was your weekend? How's everything going? Uh, you know, still getting those Josh Allen tweets five, six, seven times a day, I see. Yeah, it's, it's really, like... This whole Josh Allen thing is really harshing my draft buzz, so to speak. There's a lot of there's a lot of great prospects I'm running into that could be there for day three, and then I'm running into the people talking, talking themselves into this, and it, it honestly reminds me of uh, you being uh, in in New Jersey. May remember Yi Yi Jean Lin. Oh my uh, God. Does 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 is there so, somewhat of a a recollection of, of, of just how similar this situation is. Basically, uh, you know, protect. You know, Josh Allen's great as long as you ignore that he was awful on the field, awful in terms of production. But you just watch the workouts, and that's what Yi Jinlan was entirely based around coming out in the NBA draft when uh, when when he came out uh, as a seven footer out of China, and that's basically. You know that's something that usually doesn't happen in the NFL, and this seems to be like a, a Darko Milicic type deal where we're we're just ju- just going to say screw. The, the, playing football is no longer an integral part of the process, but draft him anyway. Bet your bet your job on it. Bet your family on it, honey. We gotta we gotta move. I picked a guy who's awful at football to be my the franchise quarterback. In a, in a draft that was full of quarterbacks, I decided to go rogue and just say that, you know what, I'm going to just stick my name out of this one. But even, you know, look, in, in, what I said to a couple guys who were tweeting back at me today is, look, uh, you know, guys, senior bowl, combine, pro days, these are supposed to cement a player in your opinion. You don't make your opinion off these things. And while the senior bowl is great, the combine is great, pro days are get great, this is, you know, this is final. This is checking it off. This is, you want to know what? She was really cool. We had dinner together. She invited me up for a drink afterwards. That's what a pro day is. It's not the date itself. The pro day isn't the date. The film is the date. And for you guys who want to keep falling for this, and that's fine. And look, I, I pray to God I don't have to sit here for the next three years 
and console everybody and have Pete on where Pete's going to say, I'm not coming on anymore because I'm not going to come on and say, I told you so. So I, I, I'm sure I can, I, I'm sure I can fit that in. I, I'm sure you'd love to fit it in. But guys, it's supposed to be the, you know, wow, she was really hot. And you know what? She had some apple pie in the fridge when we went back to her house later. That's what the pro days, the combine, that's what all that's supposed to be. Which is not where we're getting with Josh Allen before we get way too far off script. Uh, you know, I guess we'll start, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler-wise. Uh, interesting for them, uh, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is still not a happy man, which I can get. There are a few running backs in the NFL that I would give money to. I think Le'Veon Bell, look, Pittsburgh, find something. At least give him a two-year deal with some heavy money and say, look, dude, we appreciate what you've done for us. And I understand it from their point where it's like, look, at times you, you've caused some issues here and it's tough to invest long-term. But find something. Get the guy some money. But Pete, Pittsburgh, and, you know, I mean, I, I know I've got a couple names off the top of the head I don't want there. Uh, maybe give you a couple of you, you know, who sh you know, they should be looking at or, you know, somebody we're hoping that's not going to end up there. Um, well, you talk about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I this has gotten uglier and uglier between those two sides where, like, Le'Veon Bell has basically put himself on the cross in terms of, of dealing with, with not even just the Steelers, but Pittsburgh, the city, uh, it's just gotten to a point where I, I expect he's going to play there, but it's just always going to be ugly. He's not going to go to camp, and then he's just going to show up, and it's going to be what it is. Uh, and, and from Pittsburgh's standpoint, they're broke. I mean, they don't have any money. Nope. And and so they they're they're stuck in the situation where they have to they have to find a way to keep him, but they also have to find a way to function. So it's tough. But uh, as far as the Steelers go, the, the guys they should look at are guys like Lamar Jackson, uh, guys like Leighton Vander Esch uh, from Boise State, the linebacker. The guy I'm hoping they take is Rashad Evans because he's not very good. Uh, but that would be that would be a, a a good for for the Browns type pick. But uh, because of the Ryan Shazier situation, um, there's a lot of assumption that they will go ahead and try to address that early. Um, and then there's some flirtation with Darius Geis, uh, which is obviously, you know, as much as it is, it, it is about how good Geis is, probably not, you know, the most subtle way of trying to sort of prod um, Bell's camp uh, to maybe be a little bit at least quieter um, in terms of this negotiation. But the thing I would point out, if, if, if I'm trying to help out Kevin Colbert, uh, which I'd really like them to screw this up. Is they don't really need a rush to get a linebacker. I think you get a great linebacker at any point in this draft. It's just ridiculously loaded. Uh, but if they want to go ahead and, and address that super early, because they 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 do see a, a real hole and the, 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 you know it's Vince Williams and really nothing else, um, then then that could be the way they go. Leighton Vander Esch is is very big, very athletic. Only the one year production due to injury. But he's the guy that sort of screams what they'd probably like to have on that defense. But the other guy, if they if they do want to be patient with it, the guy that actually fits what Pittsburgh tends to really like in linebackers is Malik Jefferson from Texas. Now, I certainly wouldn't take him in the first round. Now, Pittsburgh, by all means, go ahead. But uh, if you wait for him and you can get him in day two, like round two, or God forbid, round three, then that becomes a really nice value. And... and they are okay with guys who guess. That I mean, they've they've gotten by on a lot of those guys in terms of their linebackers. 
So that seems to be the focus. That'd be where I'd be looking at. Um, yeah, like you said, like you brought up Lamar Jackson. Like it, it, for me, Josh Allen. Look, and when you cover the draft, and it, you always want a guy to be put in a position where he could eventually be a good football player. It, now, if you want to talk realistically about Josh Allen, if you told me at Pittsburgh selection they wanted to take Josh Allen, that's a spot where I'm much more comfortable. It, it, you know, it, it, he's got some tools. He'll have some time. That's a spot, yeah, where I, I'd love it. And, you know, I still wouldn't take him in the first round personally. But if you're going to take him in the first round, there's a spot that's a nice spot for him. He's going to learn from a quarterback that he's hoping to be more like, more tougher in the pocket, not so quick to evade it. You know, learn to spin off some tackles and learn to still be able to make a play off of it. You know, not the, the Matt Waldman with the, you know, with the Benny Hill theme music playing. You know, that's some of the issue. But if you wanted to put him there in that type of scenario, I do like... I think Shazier, I don't think Ryan Shazier is ever going to play football again. And, you know, if I were to advise him or I would have talked to him, the first thing I would say is, look, this dream is over. Look, you know, be happy you went through what you went through and you're going to walk again. You know, you've got a life. That's what you want. So you've got to replace that. You know, Van Der Esch does fit that bill. Malik Jefferson's an interesting fit from that standpoint. And when you don't have money and you really can't play ball in free agency, we always say don't draft for need, but when you're in a position like Pittsburgh, you don't really have that luxury. So, you know, day one, day two, though you've got to get what you need, day three is where you can kind of take, you know, a couple of guys that you kind of like and see if they kind of find it and squeak their way in. But, you know, you look at the wide receiving core, that's, you know, that's set, obviously. Uh, regardless of what happens with Lady on Bell, I do believe he'll be there running back in 17 unless all of a sudden drastic happens, which I don't see happening because the best chance to win is with Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, obviously, if they're going to poke day three, day four, maybe a John Kelly type at the running back position, you got to bring somebody else in because I, I don't see any way it's not Le'Veon's last season in Pittsburgh. Uh, with that, guys, uh, if you're listening to the Megaphone app, I do appreciate it. Or the link here obviously puts it on Twitter, uh, iPhone, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Go ahead, subscribe, leave the five-star review. It would mean a ton for me. I appreciate it, guys. Now, Pete, as we move on, uh, you know, Baltimore, it's been kind of interesting. No one really ever knows what their MO is. Um, obviously, they found a way to get themselves out of a wide receiver contract once Michael Crabtree was available. Michael Crabtree, congratulations. Nice contract. I think you're going to regret it. But the Baltimore Ravens, Pete. Um, can you draft an entire offense with one pick? I mean, that's... That's honestly the sort of bind they find themselves is they need running back help, they need receiver help, they need a quarterback uh, because I'm sorry, but th this contract that that they signed with with uh, with what's his face Flacco uh, has been an al absolute albatross. They had to take a take part their team. Um, they got rid of a bunch of quote unquote personalities in the process. Um, and they basically had to build their team around Flacco and at the same time not have guys that really uh, work with him too, too well. They've tried on a few occasions with like Rashad Perryman and stuff, but it just has been a gigantic bust. Um, so, you know, if, if you are trying to play to Flacco, the guy that screams to me is DJ Shark. Um, that... That's a guy who's allegedly going higher than people think he is. He's a 4-3 speed guy. I like him attacking the ball in the air more than some people do. Um, I think he's very smooth as a runner. He's obviously very fast. 
Um, but as a, as a Browns fan, I'm hoping they go to Alabama and go get Calvin Ridley. You're going to see a lot of me hoping they pick other division teams pick Alabama guys because I don't think they're very good. Um, but the, if Ozzie Smith wants to go, or Ozzie Newsom wants to go down to uh, Tuscaloosa and go pick up a bunch of Bama players that help us out, Calvin Ridley could be good. Could be good for what they want. They want a guy who can help them right now. Um, he can be pretty good. I just think there will be guys that are better. DJ Moore is obviously, you know, the guy I would be worried about seeing Baltimore pick from a bronze standpoint. I'd hate to see that happen. Um, I'd be curious to see if they'd be uh, interested to take a guy like Darius Geis. And it's not that the Ravens are bad at running back. It's just none of their guys are very, like, scare you. They have a bunch of guys who are okay football players who can grind it out a little bit. But the receiver position is just killing them. Obviously, you mentioned Crabtree. They had the fishy, uh, more than fishy situation with Ryan Grant, um, where they basically failed his physical seemingly after they decided they weren't happy with what they, with with the deal, and there were other options out there. But I'll be curious to see if Baltimore makes this pick based on are they trying to draft to Flacco or are they just trying to draft for the sake of the Ravens um, and and if they do then that may say more about Flacco's future there which shouldn't be very long I mean I, I you know I, I hope he stays there forever but the fact is that if they want to help him out the best thing they can do is get guys he can basically chuck it up 50 yards hope it comes down to because at the very least it'll drop the secondary back and hopefully open up some running lanes uh, and maybe they'll have some better luck with their offensive line in terms of injuries because they lost basically the entire unit to injury last year and they could pound the football a little bit but yeah DJ Chark um, again is, is a guy that a lot of people don't seem very high on uh, but that's the guy I think could be sneaky in that late first round area that, that could really be a problem uh, for opponents and, and maybe, maybe a pick that gets laughed at a little bit but I actually think would be a really good pick for them uh, well, the thing is, is you know, Ozzy, you know, they'll, t- you know, everybody always wants to joke Ozzy's going to Alabama. Well, part of it is because he's going to, uh, you know, Ridley wouldn't make sense except for the fact that he's from Alabama because I think Michael Crabtree is going to do what you hope he does. Uh, they need to get away from the Tom Flores before the Raiders were successful type of offense of you know just chucking it deep. But yes, the Joe Flacco contract. Uh, look, and, and look, this is their own damn fault. They could have worked this deal out, and they could have had it, but they got themselves to the point, won a Super Bowl, and Joe Flacco was there holding every damn card and took him to the woodshed because of it. Uh, look, I'm a big Alex Collins fan. I think the success he is having is good, but I do agree with you there. Darius Geis is an interesting name. I actually had it written down in these notes. Uh, if you wanted to go a Collins, who's a guy that's going to consistently get you close to four yards per carry, and then add a guy... Who can you know basically blow things up in Darius Geis? That's interesting, but you know it's going to be interesting also to see how Ozzie Newsom handles this. Um, when you realize it's your last draft, you know are, are you trying to you know set the team up like you said? Are you trying to set them up on a high note for 2018, or are you trying to put this organization in a better spot than they were the last couple of seasons? And you know Ozzie maybe he's you know kind of maybe staying too long in his post. So it's going to be interesting how that all plays out with that crew. Uh, Shark, you know, Shark brings a lot to the table. This may be a little early for me, but uh, if for anybody who questions, oh well, maybe he doesn't have you know what you're looking for this early. 
Look, it was similar for Beckham. It was similar for Landry. Uh, I mean, it's almost five years later now, and LSU still can't throw the damn football. Haven't adopted to, I mean, not even a 2000s offense. You know, they're still stuck in the mid-90s with their offense. But, you know, Shark is a guy who can make some plays. Uh, question is whether or not, you know, they believe in that or are they going to try to, you know, you know, ride out the Rashad Perryman train for one more year. It's possible. It is. It's possible. Uh, you know, but Baltimore is a team that, you know, I think Cleveland should, I, I think Cleveland should jump both of these franchises as far as what you're looking at team-wise in 2018. Pete, we're going to kick it over to Cincinnati here. I do have actually some pretty good listener questions, so we'll get to those after this. But the Bengals, uh, obviously, uh, right off the bat, made a move to drop down from 12 to 21. Got themselves a left tackle in Cordy Glenn, which isn't bad. Obviously, they have some offensive line concerns that they need to address. Uh, you know, obviously, gaping hole still, in my opinion, at quarterback. Uh, can we keep Joe Mixon healthy? Cincinnati Bengals, Pete. So, this whole thing made a lot more sense when the Bengals were picking at 12. It seemed like they were a team that, that I was worried that would take a guy like Roquan Smith or, or Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, but when they moved back, and, and don't get me wrong, I mean, their offensive line is, is, is awful at the tackle position. So getting Cordy Glenn, um, for their sake, they have to hope he stays healthy. But he's he's he it, it's Andre Smith all over again, except Cordy Glenn's a little, a little bit better. But he fits what they want to be offensive line-wise to a T. Um I'll be curious to see. They're a team that I would be slightly worried about going too early on one of these offensive linemen. Um, McGlinchey, maybe. I'm not a McGlinchey guy. Shook Wilmo Korfor from Western Michigan. I'm wondering if they're going to try to reach on one of these guys. But if they don't go for the offensive line, uh, then it'd be more. They need a center as well. Their center position is a joke, and they got rid of the one guy they had. Um, I'll be curious to see if they try to address linebacker. Uh, this is a position that has plagued them outside of Vontez Perfect for years, and then they, there was talk that they may try to trade Vontez Perfect, who's now again suspended uh, this time for PEDs. Stunner. Um, he's a, and he's one of the best players in the NFL, but – um, when he's not on the field, they are slow. They they don't move very well. They're just a bunch of pluggers, and they need somebody who can run and be a little more dynamic. And and perfect was it, uh, but they always needed another guy. So they may be another team that looks at, at Van Der Esch. But again, it, it, at twenty two pick, it's going to be interesting to see if they don't try to go a different route. And again, they're another team that you mentioned it. Andy Dalton is awful, uh, and and they're not going anywhere with him. But uh, the owner's not going to move on from him. Uh, Marvin Lewis, there's no indication he's going to move away from him. So if you're not going to go away from, from a guy like Andy Dalton, you've got to do what you can to get him more weapons. And one of the ways they can do that is obviously they have a ton of receivers, but one of the things that the Bengals have done very well um, is tight end. And even if they, they don't do anything at tight end, they have a pretty decent group uh, with U- Uzuma and Tyler Croft, who had like 10 touchdowns last year or something stupid. Uh, but they would be Rutgers a team that would scare, scare the hell out of me with uh, Mike Giusecki, um with A.J. Green and all those other guys who can just fly up the field and just basically minimize the amount of impact that Andy Dalton has. And hopefully, and, and not that he's blocking because 
God knows he's allergic to it. But just the idea that they can ease up the responsibility that offensive line has um, could help them. But the, the problem you have if you're the Bengals is you play the Browns twice. And, and you can actually say this now. The Browns legitimately pose a really big problem, and the Miles Garrett, I don't, hasn't really done anything against the Bengals. It's been, Emmanuel Ogba has absolutely destroyed them. Uh, so, you know, you may feel pressured into making a big, uh, a big splurge to really try to address that offensive tackle position again, just to basically survive the season. But that's, and the Ravens and the Steelers both have have uh, you know guys who can get after the passer too. But it's that's. A legitimate problem with the Browns potentially possessed, especially if they go get a guy like uh, Chubb or Landry at that fourth pick or trade down a little bit and get one of those guys, that they can actually kill you with a pass rush and you're now having to react to what the Browns are doing. Well, I mean, part of the problem is, and this is an Andy Dalton thing, you have, you know, first of all, with the drafting of John Ross, and I know we were on with uh, Jim and Bill, it never made any sense. Here was a guy who we watched in college, literally fair catch nine routes in college and was drafted by a team where the same thing was going to happen. He was going to fair catch nine routes in the NFL. You, you have to, you've got to figure out the quarterback position, whether or not Marvin Lewis is going to do it. Look, it, it, Marvin Lewis figures, look, if I'm still here after all these years, obviously it's okay that Andy Dalton's still here after all these years. This is just the way this franchise works. You've got to emphasize the offensive line. Joe Mixon, for whatever he he may be, he's got some talent. He's able to make some plays. So maybe solidify the offensive line. I, I would suggest whatever you're doing at 22, even if it's a, a Will Hernandez or you know an Isaiah Wynn, if you can address that offensive line in that capacity, continue to do it. Because at least if you're looking at it from a foundational standpoint, you're improving something. You're not just look. I still don't think Cincinnati is competing. It's not whatever pick they make. It's not going to change anything. Uh, the two linebackers, neither are going to be, avail- be available at that point. Uh, if you want to roll, you know, if you want to gamble a little bit a little later on one of the athletic guys and bring them in, and most likely they'll have a big role right from jump. You know, Malik Jefferson was brought up earlier. Uh, a guy that I kind of like and I kind of compare to Perfect out of Florida State, Matthew Thomas. Uh, it, it's really tough to gauge where his head's at, but here's a guy you probably can get in, in you know, on day three. He could probably start from day one. And he's going to contribute, so that seems like a guy that would kind of fit the Bengals because he's kind of you know tough to read. Uh, you know, Florida State like it didn't seem like he was interested at all in being a student after four years in college. So you know, but that's a guy that could fit, and you kind of get a perfect type effect where you didn't spend much, but you got a guy who can contribute. Uh, I do think they have you know enough of a wide receiving core. I think that you know it's lacking from the quarterback standpoint. Um, I still think. Look, I mean, outside of you know Mixon, Pete, they gotta add another running back somewhere, no? Well, Giovanni Bernard's a good player. He just gotta stay healthy. I mean, that's. But I mean, you're almost with the same two type of guys, and you know Bernard is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the injury history is huge. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's that old adage: you should take a running back every year. It's just a question of where. Um, that would. I mean, certainly the Bengals. If if teams would were to allow it to happen, it would scare the crap out of me if they took Nick Chubb. Uh, or Royce Freeman in that second round area uh, as guys who can really be a nice inside presence to sort of go off of Mixon. But, I, you know, I don't know how much um, bang for your buck you're going to get unless you can, you know, 
unless you can find a way to address that other tackle position. The other th- and center, um, they have to get a center. And Frank Rag now screams Cincinnati Bengal. Uh, he's a powerhouse guy that fits that new Bengals offensive line coach. Um, but if they can just address those little things, then they get get more bang for their buck, and then they can get a later round back like a Jarvie and Franklin, like a, a Chase Edmonds. Uh, there's just a ton of these guys that come in here that that come in, get a ton of yards right up the get-go, and it becomes one of those, where did this guy come from? Because that's the type of class this is. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's uh, so much of what the Bengals have to do is stuff they don't want to do. They don't want to address the quarterback situation. And until they're willing to do that, there's only so far they can go. Uh, and, and I don't know how you're going to get better than 2014, 2015, when they ran into a little bit of bad luck with Dalton injury-wise. But those two teams were, you know, just absolutely stacked, and obviously still fell short in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you could only pretty the place up so much till you realize, look, we got to redecorate the entire house, paint walls, everything. And you know, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's just trying to continually put out the same product with some minor tweaks, and it's just not going to work that way. Uh, guys, always appreciate the listen. Uh, guys, look, getting towards crunch time in the NBA, Locked On Cavaliers. Chris Manning's got you covered. Anything Cav-wise, you know, Locked On, Locked On Cavs. Uh, check out Chris. Uh, you know, it's been tough. You know, some ups and downs, but uh, Chris got you covered here for the you know between now and the playoffs. We're gonna go to some li- listener questions here, Pete. It was nice, and the guys actually gave in some good ones today. We always have our busting balls ones from you know S- Stephen Thomas and the like, but you know. Here's the yeah, best one. This is uh, at Dalzell underscore Connor. What positional groups have the largest head-to-head disparity between the Browns and their rivals, positive or negative? Uh, I mean, negative is, you know, <laughs> quarterback. I mean, I, 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 would, I would say at this point it's Roethlisberger and then you've got a three-headed mess under them where Tyrod... Uh, Flacco and and, and and the Bengals quarterback are all pretty much even. None of them are going to really carry you to anything, but you can get to the playoffs with them and lose. Uh, whereas Roethlisberger is legitimately, you know, that Hall of Fame guy who can carry a team. Um, presumably, he's staying healthy. Uh, but the, the thing that's interesting about the Browns is everybody in the division has a talented defensive line. Uh, they've got what could be a really, really special one, but so does everybody else uh, in this division, and and that's sort of frustrating. I think the best group the Browns have over everybody else is linebacker, um, but they have to be used correctly, and that's that was the big frustration last year with this whole defensive mess. And then the thing that everybody else has better than the Browns is secondary, although I think the Browns closed the gap a little bit with the Steelers. Uh, but the Bengals and, and the Ravens have much better secondaries. And then uh, wide receiver is going to get a lot of ink. But the fact is that, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of ifs and buts with Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon and, and, and ugh, Jarvis Landry. But the point <laughs> is, if, if you actually go you know, healthy and productive and all that, you're more than happy to take Josh Gordon Corey Coleman, Jarvis Landry, and and anyone else, presumably they're going to take somebody in the draft and match them up with, you have obviously better than the Ravens. Um, you're, you're at least on pretty even footing with the Bengals. And then the Steelers may be a little bit better, but I think much of that is just a product of Roethlisberger. And don't get me wrong, Antonio Brown is 
you know, he's as good as anybody. But I think so much of the rest of that group is just a product of having a great quarterback, which is what they're supposed to do, elevate the talent around you. Um, the uh, other the other position that, that the Browns get crushed on, at least um, until the draft right now, is running back, and that's not because they don't have them. Um, I'm not a Carlos Hyde guy, I really, but Duke Johnson's great. Is you're comparing a, a group that's, you know, needs a, a feature back to really help Duke Johnson, and comparing that to Le'Veon Bell, who is everything. I mean, that's that's tough. So that's, you know, but the bottom line is, if the Browns just get a quarterback, um, you know, that can really elevate them, and, and Tyrod will be a credible quarterback, but I don't think he's a great quarterback. Uh, that's what's going to really allow the Browns to suddenly go from garbage, and they'll be dead, dead last again this year, to um, being able to elevate themselves where they, they can really make uh, a run of this thing is if they just get a quarterback. Uh, I'll go a little better on the quarterback position. I, I think part of it's going to be, and look, I don't disagree, it's Big Ben and the other three guys in the division, and it'll kind of come down to Monday morning type of thing. Uh, Tyrod Taylor can do some things to help win some games with his legs that you know these other guys cannot. Um, if they wise up and everybody just drops seven or eight, it, it, it's you know it's going to be difficult for Tyrod Taylor because he's not going to succeed in that standpoint. But until teams do wise up, there's things Tyrod Taylor can bring. Uh, I don't necessarily want to measure it, but look, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker. This is a solid group here in Cleveland, and look, you've built. You've built a foundation with those positions. Uh, yes, look, you're talking about the secondary. You know, here's a team that, you know, added a bunch of cornerbacks. But the question is, is you know, is there a one in this group? And Pete, like me, we both agree there's not. There's not a top dog. There's not a lead dog in this group yet. So that's something you're going to need to, you know, obviously, you know, look to address. I still don't care. I'm drafting a cornerback high because if I don't have a cornerback one, I've got a group of cornerbacks, which is fine. But you know, I need that guy. I need that top dog. If I can go into week one with every one of these top three wide receivers, I love it from the Cleveland standpoint. But there are just too many what-ifs right now to put a stamp on that. Uh, as far as the tight end positions in this division, if used properly, I love these two young athletic tight ends. Love them to death. But the question is, are they going to get to the point where they're going to be able to use them and get the production out of them that these guys are capable of a lot, a lot of you know what is to be determined there. Uh, we've got one other question here, and this is actually a really good one too. And you sort of hit on this one a little bit here. Uh, you know, almost came up on Stephen's question. We're not doing that one. How does Tyrod Taylor fare in comparison to Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton? PFF has Tyrod Taylor as best, but Pete, called, let me see, Cole from Cleveland wants your take. Um. So. Tyrod Taylor is a credible quarterback. Um, I think the big problem you have when you look at any of these three guys is you're not scared of any of them. And that's mm-hmm. not that's not to say they can't beat you, but you're not going in to play against the Browns, Bengals, or Ravens going, "Man, I am terrified of this quarterback. He's just going to rip us apart." You're worried about other you're worried about ancillary things. So you're worried about Josh Gordon, you're worried about AJ Green, you're not worried about anything on the Ravens. But the <laughs> the idea is that you need other pieces to make this work. And, and Tyrod, the advantage he has that's obviously substantially different than the other two is he forces you to play 11-on-11 football because he does have the mobility 
and he is a guy who's willing to run and pick up yardage uh, and become a threat with his legs. Uh, where Tyrod can be really successful uh, as a passer, I think, is in the play-action game. If the Browns invest heavily in the running game, which I think they should, I'm hoping they will, because um, obviously Tyrod, you cannot separate his success from from uh, LeSean McCoy. Um, that was a, a huge part of them. And then, but when they had uh, Carlos Williams head on straight, go Knowles, um, they had another element uh, of of a running game where you could just pound and pound and pound, and it became more of an, a situation where. Uh, when they had Sammy Watkins at that point, play action football uh, after you beat these guys up for a while and then let him air it out, and he can be effective with that. But, uh, you know, Tyrod is not a guy who's going to go through four reads. He's a guy who's going to – and this is one of the worries I have uh, when it comes to uh, Jarvis Landry in this offense. Is be, I, I, my worry is with a guy like Tyrod Taylor – is that he will just get stuck on him because it's easy and open, yep. uh, and he won't he won't go to those other options. Um, but I, I don't anticipate him being a super dynamic quarterback in terms of he's just going to throw things all over the all over the field. I think it's going to be a super heavy dose of Josh Gordon, as it should be, running the football in play action, where Andy Dalton, and particularly when he plays the Browns. Uh, we'll throw it up all over the pitch a little bit, uh, and, and Joe Flacco will, you know, he'll find uh, a tight end that the Browns will mysteriously not cover, and and you know beat you that way. Uh, but I don't see any of these guys scaring you, and I don't see any of these guys killing your team, with the exception of Andy Dalton. He's good at it. Um, where you know you're going to lose games because you have Tyrod Taylor. I mean that's the big advantage with him, but he's also not a guy who's going to win you very many games, and that's okay for what the Browns want to be if they're smart and if they want to uh, really invest in that running game. Whether it's getting a you know I, I don't believe it, but Saquon Barkley or or some other feature back where you can really pound the football and, and Carlos Hyde can sort of be that third guy uh, where you can just keep pounding, 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 um, and and let them be more of a quick pass offense as opposed to Tyrod's going to sit back there and, and scan the field. And, and I think that's why uh, Haley can't, Haley sort of can work with Tyrod is uh, that's what he did in Pittsburgh. It was a lot of quick passes. Now he had Roethlisberger who could do so much more uh, and basically would ad lib and make up his own plays. Uh, but with Tyrod, I think you're going to get more of a true Haley offensive look that's just going to get the ball out, get it to get it to guys who can sort of run after the catch. Duke Johnson, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, I guess, um, and and do those things. But you know, I I think people and maybe I, I I could be dead wrong on this, but I think people really have to adjust their expectations that because they've got all these receivers and will hopefully get another one in the draft, uh, that they're suddenly going to be you know airing it out constantly. I, that's just nope. never been Tyrod's game. Or Tyrod's uh, path to success, it doesn't mean. And, and people will go, well, maybe it was because of the coordinator. And you can try to hang your hat on that, but it's because they had a real running game, and, and you're going to use that. And, and and if you're a team that wants to really play defense, and the Browns really seem to do that, despite the presence of Greg Williams, um, that your best bet is to do what? Keep the ball, shorten the game, keep your defense off the field as much as possible. That's you know that's a really smart way to go, uh, 
and and that's not a shot at Tyrod. That's just smart football. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I had Sacapaccio on here, and you know, he's a Buffalo Bills beat writer, and you know, he was the one that said, "Look, you know, Tyrod is capable of some great things, but at the end of the day, if you're going to expect Tyrod Taylor to go out there and complete 29 of 40 passes, throw for 320 plus, and win you a ball game, you're asking a guy to do something that he's not capable of." And, you know, his legs are a threat. Uh, you want to bring in, if you're going to draft a running back, and you should, and people with, well, Dorsey doesn't do this, Dorsey doesn't do that. Uh, guys, let's look at when John Dorsey had five picks in that top 64. Things are a lot different when you look at it in that landscape. So, you know, for me, look, guys, you know I'm a big Sony Michelle guy. He brings receiving. So you want a receiver, whatever running back's on the field, you want to, you know, give off the vibe of, look, it could be a pass play because we have, you know, faith in that. You know, David Najoku, you know, Gordon, you know, obviously he's going to be more of your vertical guy. You know, you're not going to run two-yard hitches with Josh Gordon. Corey Coleman's got a little wiggle. Jarvis Landry, look, this is why he was brought here. You know, he's never going to see, you know, the numbers that he saw while he was in Miami. But this is what you're looking for. You know, and Tyrod can hit that play-action home run bomb. But, you know, they're going, like Pete said, they're going to play to shorten the game and get it to the point where the defense can close it out. Uh, you know, as far as you know, Tyrod versus the rest, of, you know, it, it's it's all the same. This it's it, they're all the same guys. Uh, you know, each different Monday, it's going to be oh well. Dalton really looked; he was a better guy yesterday. There's no competition within that. These guys are all the bottom rung, whereas Ben is the top rung. Uh, Pete, uh, any thoughts before we put a ball on this one, brother? Uh, I mean, I. I Man, I'd go all day on these day three prospects I keep running into. There's lots of good ones. I, I, I would I would push back a little bit on uh, saying the Browns should take a corner early, and it's not because it, look, you and I both agree Jair Alexander is great or Jairi. I don't know how to pronounce it. His dad tweets me all the time. I should probably ask him. Um, but here's the thing: the way the Browns are set up, and, and and certainly you can say this is this is because of the players, and it's a great way to do business. You've got all these guys on what effectively amount to be one in one in an option contracts. But it stands out to me that if they don't trust in this coaching staff, and how could you? That if they fire everybody, they can wipe the entire secondary out except Jabril Peppers because every single one of them is on a one-year contract. Hmm. Uh, they could literally wipe out the entire building, and that would be the reason I would I could see them not draft a corner. Now, the one exception would be Jairi Alexander because he can be a zone and he can be a man corner. But in general, I think this class is so full of uh, either ors. It's either a, a, a man corner or a zone corner that it would not surprise me at all. And, and, and part of this is to what the draft has to offer is, is is maybe you luck out and Alexander falls to you. But if he doesn't, the value isn't there at either corner or free safety, at least to me, until really day three, where there's just a ton of these guys uh, that a lot of guys probably never heard of uh, that that could be really good values that if they, if they change to a different coordinator and they don't like them, it's not a big cost, or maybe they see guys that can do a little bit of both, or they can coach them up to do something specific. But I, I would, the more I look at this, the way this draft is, and so many people talk, and you meant, touched on it, is what does t- Dorsey typically do? Well, first, 
he's never typically done anything on the Browns. And second, uh, the draft has what it has. So, like all these people are talking about, well, they won't take a running back early, and I certainly hope they don't take Barkley fourth. But the running back class is stacked, and there are guys with legitimate franchise ability. So you sitting there in the second round, yeah, that that's a great value. Or people talk about receivers, maybe they'll hold they'll hold off a little bit. But the receiver class is another position where you can find guys anywhere at any pick. There's going to be a great mm-hmm. receiver option. So uh, defensive tackle. A little bit, a little bit more of a mixed bag. But when we uh, let's assume that we're going to take a quarterback, and let's let's assume Sandy sets in, and they take Darnold uh, or either of the other two good quarterbacks, uh, and then they take and then they take either Bradley Chubb or Harold Landry. You know, that would be a you and I would both say that would be a successful first day. Um, good quarterback and one of the two pass rushers, right? Or if they trade down, we can get into all things. But let's assume that they stay at those two things, they get those, and we're sitting there looking at 33-35 and 64. The more I look at this, I could see them do a couple things. Uh, and, and, and trading up could be part of this equation, so that doesn't uh, get rid of that. Um, I could see them either take three offensive skill players, which would blow people's minds, I understand that, uh, or take two offensive skill players and a defensive tackle. Uh, in that second round and it has everything to do with where the value is in this class short of you know a guy really falling out because if, if I was to say to you and I know you and I both like Carlton Davis for example as a second round corner but then you look at like that 7-3 three cone drill and go what the hell happened here but I know you're passionate about Jairi Alexander but I would ask you after Jairi Alexander if you had to pick a corner for day one, day two, who would you feel really good about? Well, you, Carlton Davis is a dog, and that's what you want. You want a guy who's, you know, look, I mean, grabby is fine. You're going to deal with it. It's, it's everyone, when we say grabby, everyone thinks it's, oh, pass interference. No, it's not. It's the five yard. It's the, you know, illegal contact. You know, look, you want guys that are going to come and going to come bring it. And that's where a guy like Carlton Davis and it's sad that Carlton Davis, he could be a legit option now at 64 because of the way he tested. Because, you know, people will look at cornerbacks and secondary guys and go athletes first. If you get a guy like Carlton Davis at 64, that's a slam, man. That is a slam dunk. Slam dunk so, hit. for me, I would look at guys like MJ Stewart. I think he's yep. a really good player. Uh, and there's a few other guys that are sort of in that that range but you know the the guys there don't make me feel any better uh than some of these late round guys and nick nelson is a guy that you could maybe sitting there in round four but guys like and, and the bronze are reportedly interested in some of these guys at least they've you know it seems been busy. It, it seems their preference is lower round cornerbacks than it is higher round cornerbacks right Absolutely. so like Tremont Smith out of Central Arkansas is a guy they were supposedly interested in at the Pro Day. 4-3 speed, 186-pound guy. A lot of these guys have weirdly the same dimensions as Denzel Ward, but are going to cost a fraction of the price. Uh, I don't know if the Browns have been interested, but a guy I'm interested in is Perry Nickerson from Tulane. A 4-3 guy who pulled a hammy, by the way. Uh, Didn't test anything else. His Pro Day, I think, is tomorrow. Had a ton of production at Tulane. Tackled quite a bit. Uh, Amari Coleman, Western Michigan. I think he's more of a slot guy, but he's a, a guy who gets after it. Heath Harding, another guy. I think he's more of a slot guy, but he's a dog. 92.2% tackle, 
market share type guy. Like he mixes it up, and I the way it looks, and there's there's all the secondary guys. Unless you're picking strong safety, which is another position, you can get anywhere in this class because it's just really really talented. But the the value to me is waiting to day three, where there's a lot of these guys where suddenly the rubber can meet the road, and instead of feeling eh, about the value, I think there's a lot of guys you're like really excited about the potential they can bring, and combined with the fact that. Uh, let's 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 not pretend here that the coaching staff is going to be gone in a year, and if they hire guys that um, don't fit, the, then they may hire another guy that does zone stuff, and they want to keep all these guys. But if they let's you know if they go with a guy like Jim Schwartz who wants to play more man stuff, that they can easily get rid of the, the clean house of some of these guys, and then step to and then suddenly look at that next year's class or whatever. And suddenly, really overhaul the secondary to fit guys that do that, and and that's what I'm wondering about is is if the offensive players that have the more value uh, that can sort of be tailored to most any offense are going to be more valuable early in the draft, or or, or Chubb and Landry, those guys can play in any scheme. Are those guys going to be more valuable to this this front office than some of these uh, other players just because they can play in any scheme, which is going to be an issue for this team, because unless the Browns win about eight games, which I'm sorry is not going to happen with this coaching staff, uh, that you're going to be looking at a new staff, which is not the end of the world. I think it needs to happen, uh, but that's that's sort of where where I'm at. It makes a good point that you brought up with the offense, because you know, first things first, you know, when you're if you're going to be looking for a head coach, the first thing they're going to want to want is you know, is my team going to score points? So for that first, you know, five to sixty-four, it's an interesting way to play it, and it's probably the correct way to play it, because you know, look, they could still lose forty-five to twenty-eight to Pittsburgh twice. Uh, you know, Baltimore Joe Flacco could, you know, have one of his, you know, one or two games a year where he does get hot. Could take one of those. Uh, so you know, going to be interesting, and you know, I do think that's where it's at. I mean, if you're not going to go cornerback in the top twenty-something picks, whether you move down from four. Where you can get a Ward or a Jairi Alexander, there's a bunch of other guys who can play, and it's just kind of picking the name. So it's interesting the way that Pete put that. But guys, check out uh, Pete's work over at uh, NFL Spin Zone. Obviously, covers the Browns there. You know, uh, on Twitter at Pete underscore Pete. I'm sorry, at underscore Pete Smith underscore something like that. Pete's got a crazy ass weird long handle, but that's what happens when there's a lot of Pete Smiths in the world. Guys, it's true. It, it is true. It is true. Guys, follow the show at Locked On Browns. Always keep it a follow back account. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, uh, we've got about 23 days after today. Uh, my goal is I will do more than 23 shows between now and the draft. A lot of guys want to come on, have a lot of guys booked up here. Some of them want to come on closer later to the draft because it's just easier, you know, with the info that they're going to be able to bring us. So, uh, guys, I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, here we are on to April, another month. March was a yet another strong month, well over. Uh, I think it was closer to 30,000 downloads. You guys are fantastic. I cannot appreciate you en- enough. If there's guests you want, tweet, to, you know, tweet at the Lockdown Browns account. I'll do everything I can to get them. Until tomorrow, let's go Browns.